everyone, and welcome to Power of Kindness, a Tal radio broadcast powered by Touch Life Foundation. I am your host, Allie, and today we are celebrating women. Now, I encourage listeners to celebrate women every day, but today in particular, we are celebrating International Women's Day as well as Women's History Month. Now, in preparation for the show, I put a lot of thought into who my female role models are, the history of the feminist movement, and what feminism means to our society. Just in most recent history, we experienced the death of feminist icon Ruth Bader Ginsburg and saw the first woman elected to vice president of the United States. We heard Dr. Swathi Mohan announce a safe landing on Mars, and in pop culture, we are seeing celebrities open up a dialogue about women's image and ownership. Britney Spears, Emily Ronakowski, Taylor Swift, and Shonda Rhimes have all been speaking about this subject in different ways. We also have the heroes of the pandemic with female doctors, nurses, teachers, and first responders stepping up in big ways. I even thought about Dolly Parton and her contribution of $1 million to COVID vaccine research. Ultimately, though, I turned to role model and icon Michelle Obama in a podcast she did back in August titled The Gift of Girlfriends. As we come up on the one-year anniversary of the COVID shutdowns, I think about how I personally would not have made it through without the support of the females in my life. So I decided to call them up via Zoom, of course, and have some conversations about women and feminism and even the importance of pockets. Here are those conversations. I hope you enjoy. My friend, Spanny. <laughs> how are you? Hi. Good. How are you? I'm good. Happy International Women's Day. Yeah, happy Women's Month and Women's History. And yeah. Spanny is my best friend and first long-distance relationship. For our entire friendship, we have lived in different states. But especially during COVID, she made a point to check in on her friends, including well, me. And it has been a hard time, um, but virtual hangouts, uh, trying to keep everybody you know, connected, checking in on your friends, it's super important. As usual with friends, we talked about work, and specifically how Spanny's job experience gives her a look into women's daily lives. That because you happen to work with some really cool women. You are at a tech startup, um, which technically we both work at tech startups. Mm-hmm. Um, however, yours is a little different in the fact that... Um, traditionally a male dominant field your company is founded by women and it caters for women women. yes by women for women um yeah um i work at a you know tech startup in new york um and we basically look at how do we empower women every single day with how they're dressed so um i think it's really important to kind of give a woman a confidence, you know, we didn't want, like, I joined this company five years ago. Uh, Five years ago, I came out of college thinking that fashion was going to be my field. Um, But I've started to realize how the fashion industry catered to women in a way that it was all about, like, self-image and what what is this image of a woman supposed to look like? And I I don't think I agreed with it. I don't think I, I thought fashion was the right field for me. You know, I wanted to be in the forefront of something that, um, 
cater to women's confidence. Um, I get dressed like this today because it makes me a confident woman who can wear a blazer on a Zoom call. And even though my kids are running and screaming in the background, I am still able to present and talk to people and I own my job. Um, and that's awesome. That's what I want to be a part of. And we have, you know, managers, we have, uh, well, our founder and our CEO, um, and we have C-level executives who have been with the company for a very long time, who act as role models for everyone underneath. And um, we, you know, want to, and we want to make sure that we're not saying, you know, it's not just for women. It is not just for women. It is for anyone who feels comfortable dressing and wants to have that kind of confidence in their life. So yeah, I'm really happy to be where I am in this company. Um, but it kind of gives me that chance to have an outlook into women's lives, uh, into women's daily lives that I normally didn't have before. Yeah, definitely. We talked about the benefits of having female leads and working in a company run by women. Role models, but like having like male role models is like, you know, it's great that they're there. Awesome. But their journey is not similar to our journey, um, straight out. Like, uh, you know, there are things that women go through every single day um, and things that they go through in their life, the uh, stereotypes that they have to face. Um, and of course, like it's women of all, um, just like women that come from all places, I would say, like different areas of life, I would say. Um, and they kind of experience that kind of hardship every single day that maybe a guy wouldn't understand. So it's very important to have that kind of role model in your life. Yeah, definitely. I think that you bring up a good point when we talk about the fashion industry, which mm -hmm. is a, it's primarily it's for women, but it has also been a controversial space when you talk about feminism and female empowerment. Um, there are certain questions about, you know, promoting that specific ideal image of what a woman should be. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, we get told a lot like, oh, people aren't going to take you seriously if you wear these pants or if you, you know, and we get told that a lot growing up. I feel like um, I, you know, have an aunt who is in the like in the business field from uh, what, like, I don't know, since the eighties. And so she had this very specific outlook on my life where it was, when you start working, you're not going to wear anything but navies and grays and black. And you have to be able to make sure you match your purse to your shoes and make sure your nails are always manicured. It was a constant image type of, no one's going to take you seriously if you wear red lipstick. No one's going to take you seriously if you do this. And I was able to change her outlook on that where I worked in the fashion industry at a tech startup where um, it changed the whole way of how women get dressed. You know, it's not all about, you can wear those wide leg pants and wear it to your Zoom call and you can wear that sequence top that you've been dying to try on and people will take you seriously, not because of what you're wearing, but because of what your confidence exudes. And your confidence comes from what you're wearing, what you look like and how you feel about yourself. So mm -hmm. it's yeah. that whole look good, <laughs> feel good mentality. Yes. yes. I look great in a pair of sweatpants and I feel great in a, in a pair of sweatpants. feel great. That's what's important. But it is, it's a different outlook on kind of your image. It's rather than 
you know, being concerned about what people are telling you. It's I'm dressing this way for me first. For myself, yes. Exactly. And then yes. it's amazing how that energy and kind of self-awareness and confidence, it really, it becomes almost a physical manifestation through your clothes. And then that's kind of the energy that you present to others. Continuing with our look good, feel good theme, let's jump over to my conversation with Jessica, who is a hairstylist and business owner of Salon Beautyology. She's also my cousin and a very important woman in my life. So in high school, when I turned 16, it was time for me to get a job. So I wanted to do something that I would enjoy doing, like if I had to go start working. So I started receptioning at a hair salon and I just loved being there. I loved watching the girls. And after I graduated high school, I just kind of figured college wasn't for me. Uh, it just, I wanted to do something that I would love going to work every day and have fun. So I decided to go to hair school and it's pretty much all I know and all I've ever done. So I mostly always work behind the chair, except for a couple years. I also did education and was teaching at a hair school. That was fun, but I think I definitely belong behind the chair. <laughs> <laughs> now, with hair, there's a lot of discussion about hair and how it is representative of who you are. And especially when it comes to women, it's really about kind of empowering uh, women through their hair and appearance. Um, and you primarily cater towards women yourself. Kind of what are your experiences when people sit in your chair and leave uh, with a new style? Oh man, hair is so huge. Like women care about how their hair looks. I think it's just so important to them. I have clients tell me all the time that I'm right up there with their kids. Like they love their kids and then me. So I think I even become before their husbands because they just, I don't know what it, it just having great hair. It just makes you feel confident. It just, it just makes it, it really does. It really does. Especially like after like when our salons in Connecticut closed Back in um, March, we were closed for about two and a half months. It was almost a year ago now we're I know. coming up to that. Like, I could not, I have never been busier. When June 1st hit, I, I think that's the busiest I've ever been. Definitely now there are, like, people, it's like your super COVID cautious people, they, I haven't seen them in a while, but when we, I first opened for being closed for that long, they all rushed in because people were feeling depressed. Like this was something you never had seen before. And everyone just wanted their hair done. They wanted to feel, and it just, it uplifted everybody. I asked Jess if Zoom and Zoom fatigue was having a impact on her clients. But I do have a lot of clients that are like, I have a Zoom call, like they're gonna see my craze. I have to get in for a color. Mm -hmm. So you do have a lot of people that, that like need to look good for Zoom calls. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there is, I want to say societal pressure more so on women to look good and be kind of at their best more often than, I know you have a few male clients, or do you see men coming in with kind of the same um, feelings of needing to look presentable for 
Zoom calls or for their everyday life? Yeah, I think I think it's definitely more women. I don't know what it is. I feel like it's more of a priority for them. Um, I feel like with men, they're more loyal than women when it comes to hair. Like, <laughs> guys, they will not get rid of their hairdresser for anything. Like, they're, they are super loyal. But women, I feel like it's more about, like, they're more with the upkeep and looking their best at all times. Mm-hmm. With the recent emphasis on self-health and self-care, I asked Jess if her clients viewed their hair appointments as, for lack of a better term, me time. Typically, do you see your clients coming in and viewing it as a kind of self-help, self-improvement, taking care of self service? Yeah, that's why, like, when we have clients come in, they're pre-booking their appointments four to six weeks because they're like, I have to come in at this time because... That's when, when I come here is when I feel like I'm at my best. Mm-hmm. When you feel like, when you feel like you look good, it puts you at a whole different mindset. Tell, the clients tell me all the time that they tell me as much as they tell their therapist. People tell me all the time that like, I am literally like a therapist. You just open up to your hairstylist while you're sitting in that chair. It's like, they really put a lot of trust in us. Like, they trust us to do what they want, and then it just makes them open up and be, they they tell you anything. (laughs) There's a special relationship, I think. For sure. Definitely. Speaking of special relationships and safe spaces, I want to introduce my friend and former roommate, Elise. I am joined by my wonderful friend, Elise Yannicka. We met in college. We actually, we met during a study abroad program where we both volunteered for Women Ahead, which I thought would be a good kind of starting point for our conversation because that was, at least for me, my first real introduction to how women can support each other and kind of started getting me thinking about what feminism means and what that means for me personally and for um, the women around me as well. Yeah, I mean, that was an awesome program. I know um, Allie asked me to talk a little bit about what it was, and um, it was a a nonprofit. Uh, We studied abroad in the UK, and it was a program for women who had been previously in touch with the criminal justice system. Um, And it was a program that was designed to help them minimize the potential that they would reoffend and end up back in the criminal justice system by giving them holistic support across, um, you know, their housing and helping with their benefits and employment and skills. And Allie and myself just went there on Wednesdays and we cooked lunch and we chatted and we helped with typing and just like genuinely hung out and offered um, like insight and companionship and it was such a unique opportunity um, that we were given when we uh, were able to have that volunteer placement as part of our program. Yeah, it was definitely an experience and it was eye-opening for me to have a space and it really was, it was a safe space for these women to come from all different backgrounds and it was very interesting with our interactions, um, us being from the United States and just, you know, different ages, different experiences, different education. Um, Some of those conversations were, I mean, it was amazing when they were like, what do you mean when you 
break your leg, you have to pay for it when you go to the doctor. I know, it's interesting that you brought that one up because that immediately came to mind. Like, I think it was eye-opening on both sides of the conversation. Like, we were learning um, about experiences we have never had, but then they were also learning about us and our culture and just things that they had never thought of. being, you know, with two different governments and two different systems and how they um, treat people and women, um, even, you know, vary across countries that we maybe think are, are very similar to our own. I asked Elise about the bonds between women that she sees in her everyday life, how those relationships to other women have shaped her world. For sure. So I definitely have always been someone who's really gravitated towards female friendships. They've always been probably the most fulfilling relationships that I've had. Um, I have had romantic partners in the past, um, but as a single woman now, um, I've always really felt like my romantic partner will probably be a man, but every other important relationship in my life has frequently um, been women. And I think as someone who is single right now, especially in the land, like the social landscape that we're living through, those female friendships are so important um, to me feeling supported and fulfilled. Um, And just thinking through all of the, you know, there are times certainly um, as like a 29 year old woman where I get a little lonely and think about what my life would look like if I had more of like a nuclear family setup um, and was maybe heading towards, towards marriage and like what that might feel like. Um, but for the most part, like, because I don't have that, those lonely periods are, are few and far between, um, because I do feel so fulfilled by the friendships and the network that I've built, um, whether that's my sister or my female friends in the area or female colleagues, um, those relationships are really important to me and make me feel supported. And I remember my having a conversation with my sister after my, uh, my most significant breakup and thinking about how um, that made me feel and I felt like I was losing a part of myself and I didn't really know necessarily at that time who I was outside of that relationship. Um, and I, and I, that was a big loss for me. Um, and then my sister was talking to me and, you know, um, we were talking about how the world just puts such an emphasis on this romantic love and makes it feel like it's the end all be all. Um, but really it's platonic friendships can be equally, if not more fulfilling and wonderful. Um, and I think that mindset that I've had over the past, you know, several years has really guided how I've approached those friendships and prioritized those friendships and put the effort in to nurture those friendships. Um, and it's been amazing to, uh, you know, I live far from my family and I really have created my own family here. Um, and it's been, I've, I just can't even imagine what my life would be like without the strong network of women that I have um, in this area. I think most of our female listeners understand the feeling Elise described. She went on to try to quantify it and how it helps foster stronger relationships between female friends and female colleagues. Yeah, I think it really is just like whatever it is, you know, seeing yourself in another person or or having that shared experience or um, just being aware about that, that characteristic that you have in common. Um, I think I I can't, as a white woman, I can't speak to other like marginalized identities, but I think that my, my gender is something that I'm, I'm more aware of. So seeing someone who shares that characteristic kind of does make me more aware of potentially our shared experience or just creates that like 
say like that understanding that um, there might be that kind of connection. It just puts you a little bit more at ease. And then you're more likely to, I think, like you were saying, disclose some information that's, you know, intimate and be able to kind of have that back and forth. It just puts you a little bit more natural. Um, and I think with male relationships, I just tend to be a little bit more guarded, a little bit like slower to, to open up um, and, and to maybe disclose some of that information um, about me or like, in, you know, details or, or how I'm feeling. Um, and it just comes out earlier in female friendships and it starts that foundation. Um, so I definitely, yeah, there's just something about it that kind of puts you at ease and lets those relationships build. I couldn't have a International Women's Day show without discussing feminism. The most I've ever felt like a feminist when I'm like, this has pockets and it empowers me because I am able to carry something on my own without the assistance of anyone else. Like that is, that is a statement. That is a big statement for today's world. Pockets aside, which 100% are a feminist statement, it was interesting asking Spanny and Elise about their feminist journey. Spanny will say that she was a late bloomer to feminism, but the truth is all three of us truly started our feminist journey in college. Ooh, okay. All right. I don't think I've ever put my thoughts together before on feminism, but I'm happy to say that I'm a feminist. I know that shocks everyone, uh, but I'm happy to say that I'm a feminist. Um, but yeah, I didn't really know what that meant until I'm going to say college. I was, I was a late bloomer in understanding what feminism meant to me. Um, and it was really uh, looking at, uh, if you understand the hardships between the journey of a woman versus the journey of a man, you understand what needs to be done to make a woman's journey equal to that of a man's. There is no, you know, there's no like full standard on equality. And I understand that, but there are still some things that, you know, as yeah, I definitely consider myself a feminist. I know it was interesting. I was actually just having this conversation with a friend about kind of the, um, just how much we were talking about our college experience and just how different we are from, um, from who we were in high school and just how the conversation around feminism and, and racism and equal rights and how, how much of a forefront it is in, in mainstream media now and how looking back, I don't know that it was covered as heavily when we were in high school and middle school and just thinking about how, um, you know, when, when was the first time I, I thought about feminism or heard about feminism or asked myself if I identified as a feminist? And I distinctly remember my sophomore year of college taking a class like philosophy of gender. Um, and at that time, I, I distinctly remember not understanding the concept of feminism. So, I mean, that puts me at, um, you know, 19-ish, um, really learning about feminism for the first time. And I think since then, my understanding of feminism, while still imperfect and always learning, um, I definitely consider myself a feminist and I think when I think of the feminism that I want to embody um, I want to be part of a feminism that is inclusive of, of all women um, and advances you know the, the voices of, of all women and the needs of all women um, and as a very privileged woman being able to to make space for voices that are not my own and to elevate the voices that are not my own um, because I think so easily you can get fixed on your own experience and like the things that you specifically need. Um, and I think that can be at a detriment to, to the movement as a whole um, and being able to just constantly reflect on, on when maybe I'm perpetuating things um, that, aren't, that aren't helpful um, to all the women around me and, and being open to listening. That's the kind of 
feminism that I would like to practice and aspire to practice. Friends like Elise and Spani help to clarify my own feminism. Each have played a role in my feminist journey through discussions just like this. Elise and I attended the same college right as the culture and discord on our campus was being discussed. Her background in academia and eloquence and how she communicates is something that has always inspired me about her and has given me the words to express myself in clear ways. Spani, as an Indian American, has brought a new depth of perspective to how I view the feminist movements of the past, and she is always there to offer a safe space for communication and guidance in navigating my thoughts, motives, and feelings. Feminism is tough. It's tough to talk about. Um, it really and is. My voice is shaking a little bit because it's like one of those things that we get so passionate about, but mm -hmm. when we break down our thoughts, we're just, yes, it's not just equality. It is the whole journey that it uh, that it takes to become that kind of, yeah. That's it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I think um, you're absolutely right. And it is, it gets a little emotional <laughs> when mm -hmm. you're talking about it because you do, you think about the journey of women before us and how far they came and we're at a place, I mean, things are better for women than they've ever been. Yes. That's great, but that's great. But there's still more to go and there's a right. little bit of a responsibility on our shoulders to continue that journey. Yes. Um, and of course, not forgetting about women of color, not forgetting that it is not just, you know, like the the woman that we think of has to be inclusive um mm -hmm. and which is why like women x is like taught is like such an important concept to me where trans rights are being overlooked in this journey of feminism um and my mom like um being like a daughter of an immigrant you know mm -hmm. uh, about 10 years ago thinking that like a vice president that looks like me is like in that position that's awesome that's something that my mom couldn't have seen i couldn't have seen i never predicted it that's awesome that's something that's super empowering for women of today um but the job's not done um and my mother was like the first of her whole family to come to a different country with a five-year-old uh, and i was a tough five-year-old i used to run around the airport and my mom had to make sure that she got me from india to america without speaking a speck of english and this was 1997. So, you know, it's like one of those things where we forget that people are going through this journey every single day. People are doing this for the first time. There is a woman in a position filled by a man for the first time somewhere. And that's what I'm so passionate about, getting that first feeling for every, every girl growing up, knowing that um, girls can code. You know, that is, that's a concept that's like unheard of, like women in engineering positions, a woman in tech. So circling back to me being in tech as well. <laughs> um, but I, I love that, you know, like nobody ever looked at me when I was younger and said, uh, there's, you could be vice president. That's mm -hmm. it's not a thing that we thought of. So yeah. this is the revolution of our lives. We, we've always... You know, it's a fight that like it's going to be continuing our whole lives. We might have a little bit of 
of a breather here and then, but it's, it's a fight we also have to pass, like you were saying, pass the torch, but it's something that we're going to continuously have to teach uh, future generations as well. You know, their fight might look different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the things that we're learning now our role models from the past in the seventies did not have, you know? Um, so, um, yeah. And that's going to change how we look in the future too. And inclusivity and equality is going to be something that everyone's going to learn and talk about. And, but yeah, we're constantly learning. Journalist, author, and performer Rhiannon Stiles writes, feminism is inclusive. Feminism is intersectional. Feminism is fighting for sustained equality for all. It being Women's History Month, I asked who are the women who have inspired you? Michelle Obama. I love her. I don't know what it is about her. I just love her. She is fabulous. She is. Her style, her, she's just so gracious, elegant. I love her. One of my role models growing up was Kalpana Chawla, who was the first Indian American to go to space. So that was, that was like my... I was obsessed with NASA. I'm still obsessed with NASA. Um, and Kalpana Chawla was one of like the first women I've ever seen in, in a spacesuit as an astronaut. I just never thought that that was a viable career for me and whatsoever. My coworkers, they inspire me every day, like just watching them do new techniques and stuff. It's inspiring. Like it's, that's one thing I like about my job. It's very inspiring. I learn stuff even after doing it all these years. It's always something new to learn. I went to elementary school in Augusta, Connecticut. So it was, I had a lot of feminist role model teachers. I had a lot of teachers who are like, um, I'm going to blow up their spot, I guess, but they were unmarried, like later in life um, role models. So um, I always wonder if that was a component of it, I guess, but um, it, it was different for me because growing up, you know, Indian American, it's kind of like, oh, if you're not married after the age of 30, ah, so uh, it's something that's taught to you. So I just, I really loved how independent they were and how um, we always were pushed some, like to learn some kind of like women's history in school. But mm-hmm. I think like that was my first instances, I guess. Yeah, I remember them being my first female role models IRL, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like there's so many like women who have done amazing things and stories that I like are going to escape me right now in thinking through some influential women um, whose stories I've learned like recently or just have been, I, I, I feel like I just automatically jump to like politics when I think of like powerful women um, who inspire me and thinking of the names that um, come to mind. I know I, I work at a, a college and they're currently um, celebrating, um, you know, kicking off kind of the transition from from Black History Month to, to Women's History Month. And um, they're highlighting some women who have traditionally been left out of like the suffragette movement. Um, and they actually highlighted Stacey Abrams today. Um, and just thinking about all the work that she's done in Georgia um, to, you know, combat voter suppression. Um, and just thinking about, you know, it's she's a name that I heard when she um, had, you know, was r- running for candidacy um, in Georgia, but then reemerged with the, the Senate runoff races um, that we just had. And, 
you know, just thinking about all the work that she's done in the last two years to really mobilize her community is incredible. I know in thinking through like other people whose memoirs I've read and in biographies I've read, like I know uh, Michelle Obama's book, obviously like huge Michelle Obama stan over here, went to her book tour back when we could, um, I don't know, be in large like public spaces together. I'm glad I got to make it to that one. Um, you know, she just is an incredible woman. Um, and learning about her um, role as first lady, like reading her memoir was the first time I really understood like what the first lady did. Like I didn't really understand before. Um, but then seeing that like she had a whole campaign um, around, around healthy eating and you know, she had her issues that she um, really took and you know, um, built programming around and, you know, tried to make meaningful change for our country. Um, that was something I just didn't really understand that position before. And then I got to learn about that, that role through her and her take on it. So that was something that, you know, I, I really look up to her. I know a lot of, a lot of women um, do. And then even just thinking through like the, the death of um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and all that she's done um, for, for our country and for women and learning about her journey to the Supreme Court. Um, I read um, the, the biography on her, the um, notorious uh, RBG. Um, it's like, it's a real biography, but just the, you know, um, it's not an autobiography. I don't think, um, <laughs> Justice uh, Bader Ginsburg was out there um, publishing under that title, but um, I mean that was like an incredible story to to read. I think you you hear these names and you don't always know like all the details, but those are some that come to mind when I think of like especially just with the the recent landscape of like election and, and voting and um, and turnover and just our administration. Like those are three names that definitely come to mind um, as powerful women that I respect and admire. Having conversations with these women who have been pillars in my life was a pleasure. I closed out my conversation with Jessica asking if she had any advice for women looking to start a business. Just say, just do it. If you have the passion for what your, whatever your career path is and you, it's something that makes you happy and you enjoy doing it, just literally follow your dreams and make it happen. And if you, if you make it, you'll make it what it, what it will be. So if you're going to make it a successful thing, it will be successful. Absolutely. You know, if you're happy and you enjoy what you're doing, the success will follow. For sure. I love making people feel good has always been what I wanted to do. And it's just, and it's so rewarding. It really is. Absolutely. I can say that anytime I leave with a new hairstyle, I uh, feel so much better. Um, it's like a weight has been lifted. Mm -hmm. So um, definitely, I appreciate you and the work that you do. I know lots of people do. Um, and thank you so much for joining me to celebrate International Women's Day. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Thank you so much <laughs> for your time and for joining me and for letting me see your face. Um, I know at the beginning we talked about and throughout this we talked about the times that we're living in. We're coming up on the year anniversary of when you know the world changed and we all 
went into hiding. So it's just, it's so good to be able to connect with you and have these conversations. And like I said, to see you and hopefully uh, be able to see you in person soon. Oh, well, the pleasure is all mine. It's always um, amazing to, to see you. And I think um, especially again, like in the time we're in the, even if it's virtual, it's just so nice to be able to see friends, talk to friends and just feel like together, um, <laughs> even if we're physically not together. So yeah. a pleasure as always. Um, I think we all need so need somebody that will listen to us and talk to us because it's hard to relate to everything in your life. And um, we need that kind of support system, especially now. So, um, you know, one year of COVID and here we are just a more tired versions of ourselves, but we are learning that we need to be there for friends. We need to check in on friends. Um, as long as our, you know, we are putting our mental health um, in the forefront, we're thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about the people around us and connections like this are really important. So I thank you for being in my life. I couldn't have a conversation about women with the women in my life without bringing on my mom because mom, you were the first role model for me. You taught me how to be a strong woman. And I'm so excited to talk about women, your journey, your experiences, and just celebrating Women's Day with you. Hi, Allie. Thank you. I'm excited too, very excited. To kind of frame our conversation, I wanna bring up a song. That has been playing in the Gary household for a year. Oh, well, yeah, but even before that, when you were little too. Absolutely. Every once in a while, but more towards, yeah, more recent, it's been playing more often. (laughs) Absolutely. And the song that we are talking about is I Am Woman by Helen Reddy. Yes. And you have said many times that this song, listen to the words, listen to the lyrics and the power of this song. And when we talk about feminism, we talk about kind of the anthems of feminism. And I feel like any feminist playlist has to have this song on it. So, I hope. Um... Can you give some context as to kind of what moves you about this song and kind of where it comes from? I can. Thank you. When I was young, or when I was growing up, it didn't, feminism, it it didn't have meaning to me. It didn't have, I didn't feel uh, discriminated against. I didn't feel... It wasn't during that time. I was born in in, in 1965. So you're thinking about the women's movement. It, you know, the late 60s, the early 70s. So it didn't affect me. By the time I went to school, which was different from my sister, I didn't have to kneel on the floor and have my skirt measured with a ruler. We didn't have that. I could wear blue jeans and corduroys. And I can remember going to school where curls, some girls, you know, had nice short curly blonde hair or whatever, or, you know, little curls and still wore dresses where, you know, your grandmother, Grandma Shirley put me in 
you know, bell-bottom jeans and bell-bottom corduroys because they were really cool. <laughs> um, it was different. But as I got older, I can remember going to get my license and your grandfather, I mean, he was, he was pretty good. You think about that. I... It was a matter of, okay, drive this car. Well, what do you mean? You're going to learn to drive a truck. I mean, you know, he had his business. I learned how to drive standard on the column. You know, other girls didn't have that. You know, I could drive anything. It was like, yes, you can, just do it. And that was his attitude with me, was, well, what do you mean? Well, you got to go do this. Well, well, come here. I'm going to show you how to jump start your car. You know, things like that. And, and and it's funny because you're on Diana. We'll talk about things like that of, oh, yeah, dad would sit there and say, you know, we, we knew how to jumpstart a car. We knew what good cars were and, and what we wanted to do. We didn't feel that we were, oh, you can't do that because you're a girl. Hey, I had to mow the lawn when I was a kid. <laughs> It was not a boy's job or a girl's job. You had to take out the trash. <laughs> you were never pigeonholed no. into a certain role. Exactly, exactly. Um, and when I started working, um, I had a job. I worked at the Hartford, and I worked in computer programming, which was really a lot of men. Uh, my whole, well, not my whole department, but I guess I forget the term they use, but my whole area my boss was a man, at L, and they were all men, and then me. I was the youngest, and I was a, the woman. But I never felt discriminated against, or, I mean, I said what I had to say. I would speak my mind, and, and it was okay. It was good. But there were times, you know, I know going to, I went to another department, and it was mostly women. And I can remember sitting with these women and some of them, they were, some were older and talking about, well, you know, we're basically a women's, um, even our, our manager was a woman. The boss was a woman and how, well, you know, we can be discriminated. Well, we have to do this. And there would be instances brought up. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. I didn't experience that. You know, but I could see it. Mm-hmm. And then I had you. <laughs> the joy of your life. <laughs> you were the joy of my life. You're still the joy of my life. And your perspective changes. You, you realize what you want for your child. And what you want for, you know, your young girl. You want her to be strong and... and healthy and being able to do anything she wants in this world so as you get older and as you're starting to go through your life and you start to hear more I mean I became more educated you know I started listening to NBR and hearing what was happening in the world as opposed to my little corner and things of of women in um in different countries i mean oh women who got pregnant out of wedlock or committed adultery who were beaten to death i I mean things these crimes that happen to women are just so and still to this day but at the time i mean we're talking 20 plus years ago 
I mean, would break your heart. You just, it's inconceivable. And you start to, you know, look at things and you say, yeah, you know, women, and then you start to really understand, understand what women had to go through, understand what it meant. There are so many movies. I mean, you know, so many movies we have watched and seeing, and, and I was learning right along with you of the struggles. And of course, we would play the song when you were little, <laughs> but it, it has been, the song has given me more power. It's given me more power, more recent, when things, more truths are coming out. Things of the Me Too movement. Things of women's right to choose. I mean, it's inconceivable that that could even be threatened in this day and age. That, you know, still, for goodness sakes, in women's equal pay. And do you remember when um, we had a woman running for president? And, And I loved this, but your brother coming home, and he was really upset that one of these girls said to him, well, I don't think a woman could be president because of she's too you know women are too emotional he just thought that was the most ridiculous comment anyone could make you know that made me feel good too because not only do you want your daughter to be a strong independent woman you want your son to appreciate strong independent women you want him to be respectful mm-hmm. and to grow so yeah you think of these words you look at these words of, I am woman, hear me roar. There isn't a person on the planet who doesn't know that first line. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's very funny. Many men will say, oh, I hate that song. But honestly, this song never, never uh, puts men down, ever. All it's doing is asking and, and suggesting women to find their own power, to find their own strength. And look at how how you do that. You're finding it from, you know, saying you're wise. Think of the words. These words have such energy and such power in them. Yes, I am wise. But it's wisdom born of pain. I mean, that's how you grow. That's how you learn from your own pain, your own experiences, and finding your self-worth. And that's what this song does. That song gives you... And, and teaches you and tells you to find your own self-worth. It's within you. It's the power you find from not being cruel, not being powerful over others, not an external power, but the power you find in yourself, mm-hmm. the power you find from living in your heart, from uh, loving yourself, which of course, which I want for not only my daughter, my son, for my family, for you to learn to love yourself and to be strong and know you can do anything in this world. And we love this song. We do love this song. <laughs> this song will be playing <laughs> in our home yep. with our grandchildren. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it does hit that note, like you said, it's not about external power. It's about finding it within yourself, which I think for a long time, 
at least when I was growing up and talking about what means to be a feminist, it took a long time for me to understand what that word meant because I was told by outside forces, oh, you're one of those feminists, so you hate men. So (laughs) you don't wear bras. So you, there were just, there were so many negative Mm -hmm. labels put on that word and what that meant. And they were all in relation to your feelings about men. Right. Right. Which is the complete opposite. You're absolutely, I agree. I agree. It's about becoming equal. Not that you want men to be less. You don't. You want to be equal. Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny. You know, when you look at Gloria Steinem, who I think is, you know, I mean, she was so, they were brave. These women were so brave and so strong. Mm-hmm. And what they fought for. And we love one of those quotes that she says, uh, the truth will set you free, but first it's going to piss you off. Or, or first you will, it will piss you off. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so true. Well, and you can say that about anything. Yeah. Especially, I think, in the last 10 years, the truths that have been coming out in the conversations that have been happening. Earlier, I spoke to uh, some of my friends. We grew up through the same time we were in college um, at the same time when the conversation started to shift on college campuses. And we talked about how, you know, it was in that sphere of kind of academia is where we started to understand what our role was as women and what it meant to be a feminist and now it's shifting even more I mean just in the last year we've had some incredible breakthroughs for women yes absolutely absolutely well I I can remember uh, there was a um you had um I think it was in, in a football player and it was on camera how he beat his girlfriend or his wife, his girlfriend. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, you're thinking of a book football player who was this big, strong, you know, so much bigger. And beating this girl, this small woman. And, you know, and the reaction of people, so many, well, you know, all these women, you know, those women, yeah, some women do that. And you're, you really, as you get older or or you start to learn more, and you don't have to get older. It was just my myself. I just didn't have the understanding or the the education, and really paying attention and looking until I started. You know, I had you and got older. At what that meant. I mean, how awful. And here, this guy got suspended from football for what two games, and you had somebody who let the air out of a football get suspended for four games. So there's our level in society of how we view. Why is that even acceptable? Why was he even allowed to play any more games at all? It's just our understanding or our level of acceptance of, well, that's a domestic, it's another thing, domestic violence. That was a thing. I mean, a huge thing. 
you know, women didn't get divorced. So many deaths of women were at the hands of their husbands or their loved ones. I mean, unbelievable. And it takes, you know, all of these things. This song takes this song. (laughs) It takes movies. It takes people coming out and saying these things. Those stories that are coming out and, you know, like Gloria Steinem. That's the other thing. You start to, now we're having conversations about, you know, it's not just the big things. It's the little things. Because it's about changing the culture. And it's about, I mean, you talk about how you raised Ethan. I think Ethan could say he's a feminist. (laughs) Interesting. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the next step when we talk about women of the future. Especially, I mean, we all celebrated Kamala Harris. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This is amazing. A woman is vice president. We've never had a woman vice president before. Right. And a woman of color. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It is. She's it a star is. of immigrants. I mean, it's really a incredible feat. But like my friend Spanny said earlier, okay, we got one. <laughs> right. We got vice president. Now we go for president. Right. And then do we have women who are against women's rights who are in power? What does that mean? Yeah. What does that look like? How does that, you know, why? Why do we have that? Yeah. Why is that okay? I think that it comes from culture and it comes from education and it comes from the power within, again, it comes from loving self. Comes from loving self. I agree. I think that when we get to a place, us all looking at each other, saying, I love me for me. I understand my own worth. Then it's easier to fight for that worth. Mm -hmm. And when you start to recognize that within yourself then it also becomes easier for you to pull people up with you that's exactly it not allowing yourself to be brought down yep and be you know oh i'm better or i'm you know i'm better than you or this people have their own choices and that's all it's about it's about hey if that's what you choose to do or that's what you want to do that's great that's fantastic but don't take away from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Don't take away from a woman to make yourself better mm-hmm. or make yourself more powerful because that's not real power. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. It doesn't. And especially, I mean, it's been very interesting because I'm working with Touch of Life and nonprofits and the whole ethos is society benefits from everyone doing better that's exactly it it's 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 absolutely true if you look when you have a strong economy through all these countries countries start to crumble on top of each other when their economy isn't strong Mm -hmm. you want everybody you know the equal equal pay equal this in our own country 
when you looked at, you know, we don't have the Gilded Age anymore, the Golden Age and those types of things because there was such a discrepancy in society that we weren't growing. Mm -hmm. That's when we realized you had to have a balance. You have to have it in power. You have to have it in every level. And women have to be equal. Mm -hmm. It's the only way it works. Mm -hmm. It's what helps everything to grow not to become controlled. Absolutely. I love you, Allie. I love you. Thank you so much for talking with me. I appreciate it. And I look forward to singing I Am Woman with you. (laughs) In the car. Always, Allie. Always. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a wonderful International Women's Day. Call up the women in your life. Let them know you love them. And we'll see you next week.